you psychotic, sibilant serpent of a dolt! Hey folks! Hello, gorgeous! Welcome to the fifth episode of Cartoon Commentary on the Michael Mercy YouTube channel. If you're listening along on the G.I. Joeberg podcast, I invite you to check out my channel. All sorts of different reviews on there. Movies, TV, books, and toys. And if you're listening along on my YouTube channel, you'll definitely want to check out the G.I. Joeberg podcast on iTunes and Podbean. Joining me once again are the gentlemen from G.I. Joeberg, Robert will be sitting this one out because he is on a special mission. He's been zapped away by the mass device. Uh, but joining me is Stephen. Hey, Stephen. Greetings, everyone. And also Paul. Paul, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good in yourself, thank you. Hey, Fan- guys. Fantastic, thanks. We've got our DVD menus queued up to A Stake in the Serpent's Heart, the fifth and final part of the Real American Hero original G.I. Joe miniseries, The Mass Device. Everybody ready? Oh, yes. All right. It's going to be uh, three, two, one, and go. And on go, you'll press play. Three, two, one, go. <laughs> I never get tired of seeing this. Yeah. I love that. Guys, what are those stripes on the side of the Mobats? Um, I it's just decoration. That. Like they're not present on the toy. It's interesting that, um, well, some of the vehicles look different because they had hadn't been made yet. But the Mobat was already; it had been on the shelves for a year. So, uh, just creative license. There's sometimes there's creative license. Like, why is Breaker blue? Or <laughs> what color is he in in this series? Sort of gray. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, just creative really license. Pity. I think it could just be a technique uh, because the side of a tank is quite a bland image. So I think they just uh, add the white lines just to maybe make it pop a bit more, mm-hmm. um, especially because there's two of them. Um, it's just a cheat, in my opinion. Yeah. A good cheat. <laughs> and I'm glad they do change that intro up every once in a while because even though I like it, it's it'll give us something different to talk about every couple episodes. So we're into our recap of what's happened so far. I just recently wow. reviewed the mass device, which was released in 2008 as part of uh, GI Joe 25th anniversary line. And uh, so if you've watched that review, you're up to speed on the powers of the mass device and how it's a MacGuffin powered by MacGuffins. Very cool concept. <laughs> Get your credit cards ready. Cause he's pretty convincing. Uh, <laughs> he's got me uh, hunting the, the bay for one right now. Good luck finding those D batteries, though. We're in the middle of a crash here. This is a great way to pick up the episode. And once again, we have Joe and Cobra working together to survive a greater threat. Destro, you idiot. Hammer hands. <laughs> I love that they, even in a situation like this, they have time for the glib, uh, glib little uh, repartee. That's a pretty extreme spin that they're in. That's a oh, cool... Goodness. That's a cool um, way of getting to the console because I figured he'd just jump at it, but they're taking G-forces into account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as much as they can. Yeah, cool <laughs> moment. You'd think Something a craft cool. as sophisticated as that would be able to self-write. <laughs> I mean, mm. well. Well, you need yeah. your drama. Big time. 
What does it remind you of? Is there a is there anything in the toy line that that this thing bears any resemblance to? I think something from Starcom. Yes, <laughs> brilliant. Uh. Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful. Take her away, and she just commences to kick everyone's ass. <laughs> I, I dig that well, about Scarlet. She's super fiery. The we precedent was set by Duke. The second he gets in, uh, you know, in, into captivity, he starts uh, flying with the fists. Those are important little writing moments. Um, even though she's captured and she's the damsel in distress, it's important to give her and it literally like time it. What did that take? Four seconds. But it's an important little moment to give the character a little bit of dignity. Um, that she was able to punch a few guys out and she went down with a fight. Absolutely. What's with the pink cape? He's just suddenly got a, like a scepter and a cape. Now he's feeling very formal. Powder blue and baby pink go very well together. I guess that's, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see that as red or purple, but that's, that is as pink as pink gets. It's hot pink. Now, guys, something – I love the way this scene is scripted, um, giving your opponents the two things that they, they uh, should never have, and that's hope and time, brilliant arguments from Destro. But Cobra Commander threatening <laughs> a little bit more harshly than, than is scripted. Like mm-hmm. He just threw his scepter. Yeah, it's pretty like, – it, it, it almost seems to me like there was a rewrite. Like, oh, we can't say, Destro, I'll kill you. Yeah, you know, you have to kind of blunt it a little bit because the animation it looks a lot more tense mm. than the scripting would give you give you reason to think. Mm-hmm. It's a good but, scene. It's it shows Cobra Commander's great. got a little bit of gumption standing up to mm-hmm. Destro, and and also it's another little moment where Destro doesn't have to put his tail between his legs. He just crushes that scepter effortlessly. Yeah. So they both come off yeah. looking pretty strong. Yeah, Still and then to take control angle. of Cobra completely. Mm-hmm. Ouch. I find a <laughs> lot of the visual cues from this um, episode and, and from moments in this entire miniseries are borrowed from the uh, silence interlude. Oh, yeah. Uh, from, great, uh, great especially, issue. Especially when she gets thrown down the stairs. I love that moment. It's very cool. It's, it's, it's very sinister. Yeah, one of the all-time great, not just G.I. Joe issues, but comic book issues ever. And came about just because there was a problem with, what was it, the lettering, the ink, something. It was not an artistic decision to make it silent. They they had no choice. And I think it was they, a deadline issue. Deadline, okay. Mm. They were and, under supreme pressure. So Larry Harmon just undertook to do the breakdowns and the scripting, of which there was very little. I mean, there were no words. Uh, and cut out the letterer completely. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't and it, take very long to read Silent Issue if, because <laughs> you can't read it. But I've I've looked at it. I guess you can't read Silent Interlude, but I've pay, uh, flipped through the pages and enjoyed the story several times, and it's it, it holds up. Yeah, it really the does. Um, of, force you to scrutinize it. I, I think what tipped yeah. you off. I mean, what got us talking about this was the design of the Copa Castle. Ah, very much definitely. like the Silent Castle. The very narrow approach road, sort of carved out of rock. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but there are definitely some shared design cues there. And it leads me to believe, because Larry Harmer famously says, I've never watched an episode of the cartoon. 
but somehow this stuff must must have permeated his his consciousness because I mean, just the the design of this castle is, as I say, yeah. mm-hmm. very close I to his design model, in Silence Issue. Oh, totally. I think model sheets were definitely um, shared among Sunbow. I mean, if Sunbow is a division of Marvel, I can't imagine that they weren't in the same building. I'm sure that uh, that a lot of that stuff got sort of yeah distilled, and it, sure. or, or moved through the whole building via osmosis. <laughs> is one of the guys at this table here, Honest Gurgi? <laughs> or am I just be. not remembering it right? <laughs> also, uh, a great moment in the scene as well is that they're actually afraid of Destro, but they're strong leaders, so they they remain stoic and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's and, so and, nice that it's not typical, predictable kind of cartoon schlock. Yeah, because uh, Cobra Commander will mention something about it later, which which shows that Cobra Commander is is not as seasoned as Destro, or it doesn't quite have the same class of leadership as Destro does. Well, he's smug about something. It's like Cobra Commander knows how this is going to pan out. <laughs> he just stands there, much like when Serpentor took over. He just stands there and goes, you'll see, we'll see. He's mm. uh, He doesn't have much of a problem being uh, kind of lurking in the shadows. I'd like to give him a little bit more credit and say that Cobra Commander has done the hard yards. I mean, Cobra, the Cobra organization exists because of him. Mm-hmm. He knows what it took to get to this point. And these usurpers might have the right stuff when it comes to you know, certain tactical elements or scientific elements. But they don't know how to really hold the world to ransom. That's something Cobra Commander, that's his shtick. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do and... A lot of villains don't have that type of patience to just step aside and go, we'll see. Mm. Especially Cobra no, Commander himself, right. since he's always destroying things and flying off the handle. But it's it's interesting <laughs> to see the dichotomy of the character because he's impatient, but at the same time, he can bide his time as well. And here's Destro throwing fits. Now uh, the roles of ever reverse. I love how Cobra Commander just twists the knuckle, <laughs> salt in the wound. It's not. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's happening here. See, it's not as easy as you thought it was. <laughs> and some pretty high tech language being flung around in a kid's cartoon. Just yeah. complaining oh, yeah. about how the leaders of the world need to put it to a, a debate or take it under consideration or take a vote. Mm-hmm. You know, like. You're pitching this at what seven and eight year olds? Yeah, <laughs> but I like that because it's kind of saying like that's what makes a good leader. You know, a good leader considers others. You know, a bad leader just wants his own way, like a big five year old. I think so if you like, grew up in the early and mid '80s and you were watching cartoons and and pro wrestling too, uh, it uh, contributed to a, a very yeah, I'm fumbling for words now, trying to make this point a diverse vocabulary <laughs> because that, uh, <laughs> not not just the vo- uh, vocab- vocabulary in these cartoons, but uh, in pro wrestling too, there was a commentator named Gorilla Monsoon who would always oh, yeah. use terminology like "got him right in the occipital protuberance" and uh, "what intestinal fortitude," and you know, instead of just "what guts." So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to see people say something in twelve words when they could have said it in three or four. I personally prefer the longer version. I'm I'm not say, much of a Twitter person where shorten it down always, for brevity. 
uh, that was allegedly always uh, Stan Lee's um, whole sh- uh, shtick. I mean, he always liked to put in big words or or try to create a lot of hyperbole because he wanted kids to see these words and not know what they meant and go and look them up. Yeah. Hmm. Comic book trope over there, folks, that you can block a beam of energy with another beam of energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was Gung Ho's idea. <laughs> Yeah. Dr. Vandermeer was like, yeah, that'll probably work. It's worth a try. Now, this is what makes Duke seem like a stick in the mud where people are cheering and clapping and he's got to be the one who goes, can it? We got a job to do. No one likes a guy who says, stop celebrating. So maybe, I don't know. That's why Duke doesn't. What's that? Somebody needs to keep things real, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. For but him. Duke, I feel like in terms of like the heroes of the '80s, Duke is usually the forgotten one. People remember Optimus and Lion-O, but uh, Duke to me seems glossed over. He's always the one who is just too serious. He's like King Leonidas in 300. Just perhaps lost in the shuffle. There yeah. are a lot of like strapping, hunky hero types in GI Joe. You could pick and choose, whereas in Thundercats there was only one Lino type, yeah. and there was only, you know, there was only one He-Man, That's right. one Brave Star, a central sort of hero the, male figure. And all those guys had great senses of humor, but it seems like Duke was the one who he could joke. He'd have a nice glib, dry line one every now and then, but for the most part, he was strictly business. What was that That's guy going to do with the bazooka? I don't know. <laughs> Blow up the mass device. Alive, and there's a dude with a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> and that we guy. could see, exactly, it was lethal. I mean, it could blow a hole in the roof. <laughs> yeah. It would have wiped out the Cobra Troopers and the prisoners. Yeah, Scarlet, <laughs> Scarlet's clearly pissed off. <laughs> Look, she got her moments. It's good that she wasn't just the damsel waiting That's to right. be rescued. They, they let her keep being a fly in the ointment. If you can't escape and you can't beat the bad guys, at least break her with a yellow beard there for a second. Another animation error. Yeah. At least be a fly in the ointment. If you can't beat the bad guys. Empire strikes back. What is this? Back to tank. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This so freaks me out. And it's something I mentioned earlier about how the U S government in GI Joe clearly has, uh, brainwave technology yeah because here they're like revisiting duke's past and i mean you know and 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 doc is just explaining it just casually like oh i've known duke my whole life yeah (laughs) and it's really freaky actually i find it to be quite frightening i mean for all we know this could be a reprogrammed memory well hopefully they're real and it's an effective way of basically in 15 seconds telling us that duke really is the real deal. He is yeah. the all-American boy with a German name, uh, hero. <laughs> what? You can actually do this now? Slow motion. Punch in. Zoom in here. <laughs> yeah, this oh, preceded the brainwave they, scanner, but it is far better. How do you think they fund this operation? <laughs> For those of us who got it. It's really too bad he couldn't just remember that. Kind of, it, they stretched it out over a couple episodes because he couldn't remember. Kind of an idiot plot point, but what are you going to do? What a cool piece of merchandise that would have been for us as kids. Tracking uh, to ring. have a GI Joe ring with, um, like a, I don't, know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's almost like a signet ring, but it's that ring you get if you are in the football team or whatever, like 
Like it would have been great for kids to have that. That could have been your secret code that I'm part of GI Joe mm-hmm. and they're tracking me in case something happens to me. Yeah, kind of thing. Oh, pity. And they put out <laughs> El Cheapo like plastic rings. Those glow. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. Sergeant Slaughter, I think, was on one Packins, of them or all of them. Yeah. So they're using the mass device here, which is, is dangerous. I can tell you from personal experience. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that the uh, the receiving point is accurate. Otherwise, you're going to end up with your dishes in the pool or something. This is weird. Or your these little cats. <laughs> these little uh, spider things carrying the mobats. I really like the concept, though. Oh, it's contrived, like, man. It it, tot- it really is. But if you think about it, it's it's a very modular solution to to a problem. It's like you don't have to use a different vehicle. You yeah. Know? That on. You'd think in this situation they would just have a vehicle that actually that's it's gimmick. Like you got the bridge layer that lays bridges and you have the Joe vehicle that climbs up walls, but they didn't and the jumps make sense. Yeah. But um, it just and, and, and seeing them used that way is, is fantastic as well. Yeah. But carrying flax up there, it doesn't what are you gonna do? <laughs> you just set it up there and Get in the seat, and it's a mobile, uh, an immobile gun. How practical is it to transport that was such it? A good idea, Cobra. <laughs> yeah, sort of gracefully floating gun platform, <laughs> vulnerable, vulnerable from underneath. I, I don't understand the the logic of bringing these land based vehicles. They should be hitting this thing with dragonflies and jump yeah, back. it's that, funny like the air support comes in after they've brought all the ground equipment up there, there isn't much room to drive around up there i, I don't know why you need also, the tanks and the and the vamps yeah that's the other thing that that artillery though no, those flat guns are not going to serve much of a purpose anyway right um they actually would have been better at the base of the mountain and doesn't cobra base. already have flat guns i think we established <laughs> that in a pre- Paul, well, you're gonna have to eat those words, buddy. I think a flat gun gets used in a very unconventional way just now, if memory serves. But they definitely oh, get a few rounds off. It's weird it's just, uh, seeing Wild Bill piloting a Sky Striker. I always just, for me, awkward. he's the helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they throw a roadblock into the cockpit of a Sky Striker. Yeah, I suppose. Um, Wild Bill, Wild Bill is actually a more, far more logical choice than yeah. um, shipwreck than and quick pick too. She was, yeah. We got these uh, <laughs> super duper cobra, fan, uh, cobra. What are they called? The snakes. Mm-hmm. Real oh, snakes. Geez. That guy died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no possible way he could have survived that. I hope that wasn't yeah, stalker yeah. in that thing. It has. It, it probably is. Maybe that's why we never see him again. <laughs> I think this is also one of the reasons we don't see Snake Eyes a lot in later episodes because they kind of deal with him as if he's Lassie. You know, the way that they talk to Snake Eyes, it's the same as how they, how yeah. humans speak to Lassie. I, and, and, what and have you got, boy? Of, he's a pet. Yeah, ex- What's in your exactly. bag? It's interesting they call him Snake for short. Uh, even yeah. as a kid when I I didn't – I hadn't seen the cartoon yet. I hadn't read the comic and I saw the figures, the GI Joe figures on the shelves. I thought snake eyes was a bad guy just because, you know, dressed in all black and you couldn't see his face and his name was snake eyes and the enemy was Cobra. So I thought, Oh, he's, he's a Cobra, right? So it's interesting that that they even call him snake instead of snake eyes. 
Well, at that time, I mean, when we were playing with uh, playing cards, we were playing Go Fish and Snap and, you know, all that stuff. None of us were rocking poker or anything. <laughs> so the reference was above our heads. We went completely past Rest. us. Yep. Oh, my. Duke's oh, getting a little action here. <laughs> yeah, I bought your gun. And, and then he goes right from that to trying to flirt with Scarlet. Here's your gun. Got a little something yeah. for you, too, honey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here comes uh, He-Man, Conan. Hmm. Wow. So I didn't mention this in one of the previous episodes, but that sound effect they're using for that guy is the same sound effect they used for Lou Ferrigno's Hulk on the Incredible Hulk TV show. Oh, I was going to ask because it's so out there. It's the same, exact same audio track. Yeah, it really didn't seem like it was tailor-made for this uh, show. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Blasting through the door oh, okay. and... And the enemy has been routed. The DVD okay. packs that um, Hasbro put out, 25th anniversary style, did any of them have a snake eyes that had ungloved hands? Um, the, yes, the one that was kind of partially see-through, um, he had flesh colored hands. Yeah, I believe so. I need to have a look again, but yeah, that did have one that's like irradiated. Yeah. He was partially see-through and had red see-through parts. Is one that's accurate to the coloring of the show with flesh tone hands. Something so kooky about it. I tried to do a customization myself, but the problem with the 25th anniversary figures is if you pull the hands of the regular snake eyes out, it's not just the hands, it's the collars as well. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find flesh-colored hands oh, that, that have the same black collar too. You're you're going to get a mismatch unless you... You didn't want to just do flesh tone over those hands. Yeah, I know there's some weird creases, but it uh, didn't stop them with 25th anniversary. Yeah, oh, still- is that Zartan? No, it's another master of disguise, Cobra Commander. Well, master of something, but not disguise. <laughs> I, I love that Cobra Commander gets captured. It's uh, at least for this first mini series. It's cool that he does, doesn't get away scot free, and you know, there you got your villain there getting away scot free, Destro. But it's uh, it's interesting to think now what happens with Cobra Commander. Any conjecture as to what happens to the mass devices? Probably put in the same vault as the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. I would imagine so, yeah. And there's a boo-boo here. He goofed. <laughs> well, that'll learn you. Using your <laughs> communications expert from Gatlinburg, Tennessee... Operate <laughs> so way above his pay grade. So they're going to move it manually instead of going to get more elements to try to beam it into its right spot. Hell no, dude! They don't want to mess with those worms. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, most of them were wiped out, but PETA might be camped out there. They're even more dangerous. Yeah, it was an extinction level event. And um, that's the mass device yeah. miniseries. Five and, episodes. And it delivers- it it has one of the it has two really great lines in it for me, as well. Um, I didn't want to hop, jump in on them earlier, but I love um, Destro's. Uh, and, and this is kind of mean. This is where Destro's being a little bitchy, I suppose. 
but he, uh, he, he throws out this line, and it's, uh, you psychotic sibilant servant of adult. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I love it. It is, it is so, it's actually kind of, it's really mean. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, he, he's mocking Cobra Commander's speech impediment. <laughs> and it feels like a son of adult. <laughs> it's, it's 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 really classy, actually. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't help but make a little song uh, when when Destro finally gets a little bit of an upper hand. Uh, Cobra Commander's like, you know, Destro, don't go, Destro. It just sounds like such a lyric for a song, which mm-hmm. I'm not going to sing here now. Uh, Maybe one day on one of our video reviews or something. Sounds like a power ballad. Sounds like something yes. Puff Daddy should do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, sorry, I just I, I couldn't let I couldn't uh, move on without having to say something about that. Well, what are your uh, what are your overall thoughts of this final episode and uh, even the entire Mass Device miniseries? Okay, well, the thing with the Mass Device oh, for me anyway, uh, I really like uh, it as an inju- introduction to GI Joe. It does give us uh, a lot. It does uh, create a lot of set pieces and things that we can, you know, as kids, we could take home and, and play, you know, with our toys. Uh, it's It sets up the bad guys really well. I, I find that mas- the Master Vice, and and I'm saying this from a, from a place of having just watched the entire Masters of the Universe uh, series, I really love that Master Vice sets things up from the beginning. It tells us who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, we know that this is not necessarily their first um, confrontation, but but it still takes a time to introduce us, uh, introduce us to these characters because it, it knows that they are new to us. Where I find a lot of cartoons from the same era didn't do that. They just sort of threw us in the middle um, somehow and, mm-hmm. and expected us to just get things and just, just eat the mythology. I also feel that the Master Vice uh, miniseries, uh, in compared to the other miniseries, which are also very enjoyable – is conceptually very strong. Things like the mass device itself is a great uh, visual. It's a great visual uh, tool. It's a great um, prop. It's gar- uh, gargantuan. It's this yeah. humongous thing. Exactly, and we get to see so much of the stuff that we will play with being used properly. Uh, and by properly, I mean not. It's not just like a hokey moment of using this vehicle to do some something ridiculous it, it really is using a tank as a tank i mm-hmm. mean obviously they put them on spider legs and they climb up walls uh, and all that but it's just great to see the vehicles being used over and over again not always being named uh for a toy commercial it's very subtle and and i'll still always defend gi joe a little bit I'll, um and be- uh, because of this uh, this mini series I know that cartoons from the 80s are often criticized as being toy commercials, and I know conceptually they were sort of designed to be that, but it really does feel like G.I. Joe tried to be something more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this miniseries pushes that, that angle perhaps a bit better than all the others, because the others do start, the rest of the episodes do sometimes feel a bit toy commercial ish uh, in, in, in spots. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, great. Uh, you know, great introdu- introduction to G.I. Joe's animated world. Uh, a lot of the tropes have already been set up. A lot of lovable characters have been in- introduced introduced to us already. And some very good, memorable moments uh, make for a great miniseries for me. Mm-hmm. I, ag- I agree about it being so much more than it was probably initially conceived. 
uh, to be. Stephen, what are your thoughts on the final episode of the Mass Device miniseries and the five-parter in general? It's easy to be an armchair critic now, but looking back over this uh, miniseries with the context of what came later, it's nice to see the ideas and the characters being presented in their purest form. You know, this whole MacGuffin and it relying on smaller MacGuffins, which then gets separated and becomes a race. This is the template that unfortunately repeated itself ad nauseum, read two or three times in later miniseries. And it started making episodes feel redundant. In the mass device, however, every episode feels like it's telling a fresh story with its own uh, three-act structure. You know, it, it's, it's relying on what comes before and it's adding to what comes next. But each episode is very watchable within itself. The action is unique to each episode. The concepts and loca- locations are all unique within each episode. I find this a very, very uh, fulfilling miniseries to watch in isolation. And I'd put it up there as, as probably mm, it might take a top spot for me. I don't know. It, it's between this and Arise, Serpentor Arise, because I'm just a fan of like the 1986 team. Mm-hmm. But then again, you've got to, to add the good old Sergeant Slaughter into the mix, who is a little <laughs> bit of a blowhard and kind of dominates the series at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, yeah, no, this is great. The production values are terrific. Uh, personal high point for me will always be the sort of commando team's infiltration of the relay relay star station. So that's Snake Eyes coming in through the fence and Scarlet coming in on the jump and Stalker coming in on the ram. Great use of the characters, great use of equipment, uh, very fluid animation that um, you know was a real treat. And it's something that we see in the 80s, and it's something that we see less and less of nowadays. I mean, Resolute was probably another high point for animation production values, but, I mean, that was just like a a very brief once-off and never followed up on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I couldn't be more enthusiastic about this show. The, the one criticism that I have, and this is typically always going to be my prerogative as a toy fan, first and foremost, is the... Toy designs are strong. The um, the designs that are sort of spun outwards of the toys are less set in stone, less clean, less interesting to me, more amorphous, more, I don't know. I mean, Russ Heath was responsible for a lot of the designs, and he's one terrific artist. His, his stuff is, it just blows my mind. His um, adaptation of the toys to animated um elements perfect but wherever there is a craft that isn't a toy like those giant snake armors like those spider climbing platforms for the heavy vehicles they're always a little bit lackluster and like it doesn't integrate so well for me i'm like kind of dialed that design in unfortunately Mm -hmm. even the prototype vehicles like i just wish they'd gotten like that shark the weird looking shark. shark That was that was a stronger one for me. The weaker ones were like the um, precursor to the Rattler. Uh, the Rattler. 
Yeah, they were a little and bit also, too smooth. I also don't like the fat dragonflies. To be fair. <laughs> Um, well, what are you going to do, man? Me, you needed a, a, a dragonfly with a bigger... bigger yeah, oh, totally. Me, me neither, but at the same time, I appreciate that the people doing the show went... Uh, I'm sure this is where Hasbro would love us to use dragonflies, but in this particular situation, it's not practical, so we need to tweak the dragonfly and so use it. So why is it. that? Looking back at that scene, could it, could it have been handled by a two-seater? I suppose it, they needed that drama of like... Oh, I'm gonna fall out of the yeah. the, the, the crew. Yeah, I think that's that's why they added it there. Um, for this final episode, uh, I what's always appealed to me with GI Joe is the military aspect, and when they veer too far from that, that's when my interest starts to wane. When they get into the space stuff and the sci-fi stuff, I like the military, the real world military aspect of it. And in this final episode, I like. The battle at the end, it feels like a military battle. There isn't too much stuff going on that's kind of like a cartoonish drama. It's just a straightforward battle. G.I. Joe just routes Cobra. They capture them. Destro gets away, but they get Cobra Commander. It's a straightforward battle, and the real American hero wins the battle. And uh, I found found that very satisfying. And the miniseries in uh, overall... Paul, you mentioned how um, you were watching He-Man before and um, how this took its time to build, introduce characters properly, whereas shows like He-Man, other cartoons that were sold into syndication at something like 65 episodes a shot, um, the reason yeah. there's no continuity to the story is because no one ever knew what order they'd be broadcast in so you couldn't have continuity because episode one might play one day and episode 45 might play the next day and then episode 32 so they got lucky here that this was ordered as a five-part miniseries in 1983 um yeah. so what what we get here is a proper introduction and we get a proper story stretched over five episodes and that's that's the real bread and butter when it comes to animation for me it's continuity the cartoons that I try to go back and watch that I grew up on that don't have continuity are the ones that I really lose interest in. But um, like Thundercats has great continuity and this five-parter is fantastic. It's a five-part story instead of later on what would happen with the series is all these one-shots that were not connected in any way. But even then, um, like in the second season of G.I. Joe, they sink the flag in one episode, spoiler, and then they they write, raise it a few episodes later. So even then, there was still some continuity. And I always yes. appreciated that about G.I. Joe, that it it tried to have things flow from one episode to another. Uh, the two-parter episodes of G.I. Joe are also fantastic. Um, and then the other five-parters I really enjoy, too. Those are my favorites, the ones that tell a story and take their time to tell it. And, um, yeah. I really love no place like Springfield, one of my favorites. Yeah. So I really appreciated the time that it took and the continuity put into this five parter. And I also appreciated every time they brought the military realism to it by having these different little missions and they didn't play favorites. It's not like Duke was on every mission or, um, you know, Scarlet gets captured later on, so she doesn't get to go on a certain mission. But certain shows can play favorites, even if there is a giant cast. Yeah. Like Transformers in the third season is a good example where almost every episode is Rodimus, Ultra Magnus, Cup, Springer. 
even though that giant cast of characters and they, they keep it to those guys. Basically I like in this one that there's a mission for snow job and for tripwire. And then there's a mission for torpedo and then you don't see him again. And there's a mission for someone else, gung ho and wild bill. And I like that there were different missions and the appropriate soldier was assigned to those missions. Um, so I, I, I really enjoyed that part of it too. Something that, um, and I, I, I'm, Pretty sure I'll say this again uh, down the line somewhere, but uh, with GI Joe, I love how there's this sort of subtlety in terms of, of its continuity. Uh, something you touched on earlier, where um, a character like Shipwreck, we uh, his his character is established. Um, so w- when he does certain things in later episodes, and I, I'm I'm putting a, a spotlight on Shipwreck for this, but it happens with other characters as well. You expect that behavior from him, so there's a sort of predictability in that character's behavior in that episode, based on pre uh, on ex- uh, on behavior he's had on in earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. So, although not always a direct continuity or direct continuation, that character's traits are still strong enough to reappear ten episodes later, and for a viewer to to see that and go, "Oh, shipbreak is here. He's going to do something like that," or you know, uh, quick kick is here. Uh, he's, I think he's going to get into this kind of situation or, Oh wow, this is quite a challenging situation for quick kick. Oh, why, why do I know that? Oh, because I know quick kick because I was introduced to him properly 10 episodes ago or whatever. Yep. So that is, uh, the original GI Joe miniseries. I believe it was just titled a real American hero. Right. Um, but, uh, I think it was always unofficially called the mass device, just like the next one, which is, uh, Revenge of Cobra, Revenge of Cobra. Yeah. is titled well after the MacGuffin, really, which is the Weather Dominator. Yeah, and, and that- Pyramid of, Pyramid of Darkness, which is I think the further adventures of GI Joe. Eh, what an uncolorful title! <laughs> Let's just call it <laughs> the Pyramid of Darkness. Yep, guys, yeah. I've just stumbled onto an Easter egg, and I think I'm going to not actually discuss it and just leave it for the listeners if they want to. Um, do some digging. The first episode of this miniseries at, and if you have the DVD collection, this will help, but at four minutes and 33 seconds, mind blown. <laughs> Bet you guys are wondering what it is now. Discuss amongst yourselves in the comment section, folks. Mm. A little something about Destro that we might not have known before, but we finally have confirmation of. Mm. And we will leave you with that. So that is the Mass Device miniseries. I want to thank Paul and Stephen for joining me. Guys, uh, G.I. Joburg, let's give, uh, let's give G.I. Joburg a plug. Where can people hear and see more G.I. Joburg content? You can find us on most social media platforms, Twitter at G.I. Joburg. You can find us on Facebook. Just type in G.I. Joburg, one word, and we'll pop up. Uh, we have a YouTube channel, G.I. Joburg, and we have a podcast, G.I. Joburg. <laughs> but if you're looking for G.I. Joe stuff on iTunes and you type in G.I. Joe, I think ours will pop up pretty convincingly. Yeah. Um, we are a fan cast just talking whatever pops into our heads about G.I. Joe. There's a lot of material to cover in this hobby of ours. We are very, very passionate about it, and our topics vary. Hell, if you're a listener, you can suggest a topic you'd like us to discuss. We try and keep it topical, 
there's always a good little retrospective to our childhoods or nostalgia or just doing top five lists. You can never get enough of that. I got one to suggest. Oh, whatever you just whatever you just Sorry. mentioned, yeah, the Easter egg, the mind blowing Easter egg. That's your next topic that I suggest. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for joining me. And to the listeners, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we will be back shortly with the further adventures of G.I. Joe with the Weather Dominator, Revenge of Cobra, whatever you want to call it. We will be coming right back with more cartoon commentary. Until next time, Nerd Mistake.